Hey, welcome back to the next episode. <coughs> Excuse me, of the Matt Chim Experience. Today, we're going to be talking about a book I just finished reading. The lessons and uh, principles that I've taken from it, and that book is A Man's Search for Meaning, written by Viktor Frankl. And uh, this book, if you haven't given it a read, I highly suggest you do. The re- the way I found it is. Uh, I, I was perusing through the book Tools of Titan written by Tim Ferriss and this was the number one recommended book throughout that book. So uh, this book was highly recommended by others and that's how I found it in the first place. Uh, and what the book is about, it's about Victor's time that he spent in the Jewish concentration camps and during World War II. Okay, so Victor, he was a, I think he was a psychologist before the war, but he was a psychologist and a Jew. So obviously the Nazis didn't like that and they put him into Auschwitz. He went through a whole bunch of different concentration camps. And what Victor does in his book is not only does he document, you know, what was happening to him, what was going on, what were the Nazis doing to the Jewish people in these concentration camps, what conditions were they being subjected to, but Victor also talks a little bit about, you know, the psychological phenomenon of what's happening. He gets, he said there was three distinct phases, for example, uh, when Jewish inmates were taken into the concentration camp. You'd have that first stage where it's initially, you know, just shock, you, you know, where you kind of think, you know, we might be in the concentration camp right now, but I'm sure we'll be liberated. Or in that last moment before we're thrown into that gas chamber, everything will be fine. And that first, you know, initial stage when you get put into that concentration camp he said a lot of people had this kind of you know quote-unquote delusional hope that they would be saved then after that there was phase two uh for the jewish people when they were in the concentration camp they'd kind of turn into either they'd turn hopeless or you know they'd they basically they're getting beaten down every day for you know years on end uh a lot of people lost hope and pretty much died it's in this phase that a lot of the interesting, in my opinion, a lot of interesting psychological phenomenon was found. All right, and I'll, I'll, I'll go a little further with that. What Victor talks about, and this relates to other readings I've done as well, is that when a lot of the Jewish inmates lost hope or they lost kind of that will to survive, they oftentimes just died. Uh, you know, Victor's title for the book is a man's search for meaning and what he does is he tries to figure out how what is you know what gives people meaning in life and what is that importance to have meaning in your life all right so during his time in the concentration camp there's one story he had uh he was with another jewish inmate and this guy said you know this other inmate let's call him uh john john he had a dream and john says you know he says to victor victor i had a dream last night we're going to be liberated from the concentration camp. You know, the war is near in the end. It's 1944. Wow. He had this dream. Uh, March 30th. Okay, March 30th. I had a dream. We're going to be liberated. And, you know, that gives me hope. So now he has hope in his life. You know, he has meaning. He knows something grand or something bigger is going to happen down the line. Interestingly, though, or not so interestingly, um, as time passed on, he was never liberated on March 30th. As the date was creeping forward and forward, uh, it was becoming more and more apparent that you know the war front was still quite far away from where they were sitting uh, and that they were not going to be liberated. His friend, Victor's friend, with this you know hope being pretty much destroyed from his uh, psyche as, as the date approached, and once the day hit, he actually fell into a coma and then died the next day. Victor says this is an example of many 
where you know once you lose that hope for something a vision of the future that's going to be better or something that you're working towards and you kind of fall into this meaningless trap uh you die you know and this is placebo effect you know uh, i've heard people say it when they excuse me they they think they're going to die from the cancer and then they more likely to die and you you might have heard some stories of people overcoming through the power of their own mind uh cancer and they they survive against all odds i'll relate this though uh this kind of you know hope and survival mechanism i guess you could call it to another book i read i read leningrad and i never did a talk in this book but leningrad is uh it's a book about one of the one of the most devastating war or battles or sieges of world war ii it's when the Germans surrounded the Russian city of Leningrad and basically starved the city out for months or years on end. Uh, keep in mind, Leningrad is very far north. You know, uh, Napoleon found out very uh, uh, vividly why you don't fight in Russia in the winter. And it's because it gets really cold. Not very many crops grew or grow up there. So when the Germans surround the city, no transport can go in or out. These guys, they have very, very little food, very hard to keep them from starving. That's just what happened. A lot of people starved. I think the reported numbers in just this one city, you know, alone, it was around 500 to 700,000 people died. And that's civilians, kids, mothers, you know, and then let alone all the Russian men who were at the war front probably just getting blown up when they didn't have enough resources, they didn't have enough guns. But what, what, what the, the link between Leningrad and Man's Search for Meaning is, is that in Leningrad, they talked about who died and who survived. You know, who of the people starved to death and fell over and died of, you know, I don't know the word for it, but starvation, basically, and who survived. The people that died, or the people that survived, I should start with, sorry, were the people generally who kept cleaning themselves, kept doing their job as much as they could, however weak they were, they kept going, they kept living for life. It was once, you know, there was a passage in the book I remember that said, once a man or woman stops taking the time to clean themselves and they stop kind of doing anything, they just kind of lay there, eat, and then like roll over and that's kind of their day, it was very likely they were going to die the next day. And I think, you know, this relates to a man's search for meaning in the same sense that once you stop cleaning yourself, you're pretty much giving up hope. You're, 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 uh, you're at the end of your road, you know, you're, you're not doing anything. And, that, and man's search for meaning, oftentimes the concentration camp prisoners, when they gave up hope and they said, you know, there's no reason to live after this, my life is kind of like over, this is eternity of hell, uh, they died. And so what, what, what practical tip we can take from this is that in our waking lives today, me and you, and I, I'm experiencing this a little bit myself, but... If you don't have a kind of thing that you're hoping for or uh, if you don't have any kind of vision or thing that's giving you meaning, it's going to be hard for you to keep going. And that's the importance of having this great or having something that you're working towards, something that you're moving towards. For Victor in the concentration camp, just to give it an example, the, re the way he kept meaning in his life and didn't give up hope and die in the camp was he pictured himself, and I, I believe this actually happened, but he pictured himself after the war, after his time in the concentration camp. Uh, he pictured himself giving a psychology speech, a lecture in front of many people, documenting his experiences and the stuff that he learned. 
The other big thing that uh, I learned from Viktor Frankl's book is that there are three main ways, three main paths, you could call them, three main paths that you could call them that lead to uh, meaning. You have number one, uh, through one's work. Number two, through one's experience, mostly through love. That was the big experience that led to meaning there. And through number three, the third path you can choose is through suffering. Now you can kind of melange all three of them into one, I, I'd assume. Uh, but let's go through them one by one. So first you have through one's work. And this, I think, is pretty self-explanatory how that can give somebody meaning. Through one's work, just think of a time, maybe yourself, where you were truly engrossed in some sort of work. Uh, I find it, if you can find a work that you really enjoy, you can oftentimes put yourself into that peak mental state, that flow state that Michael Cheeksentmihai talks about in his book, Flow, uh, and get a lot of meaning from life. If you've ever played, if you've ever had any kind of great hobby that you wanted to do nonstop, and you were kind of progressing and you know, you would think about that nonstop. I think that's a pretty uh, common way people can find meaning. I'll give a few examples. School. I think school gives a lot of kids meaning. It gave, you know, I didn't think school was the most, uh, I don't think it was the best thing in the world, but I definitely do see how it could have gave my own life even meaning uh, because at the end of that semester, at the end of that year, you know you were going to be advancing. There was a deadline always in sight. You had kind of some sort of feedback where you do a test and you get a grade back. And if you're good at school, you might get a positive grade and that kind of positive feedback might keep getting you, you know, uh, more attracted to the option. And then you're kind of, you're progressing, you're learning. You you might start off, you might have the hero story where you start off kind of shitty at school, but through that hard study and blah, 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 you become really good. I think the same thing could be said about sports as well. A lot of people find meaning out of sports and I would relate that to your work. Uh, you know, just some, some sort of hobby passion that can give you meaning. The next way that you can get a lot of meaning out of life, Victor talks about, is through love. You know, he says experience, but he really only talks about love in the book. Uh, he talks about his love for his wife that gave him meaning during his time in the concentration camps. And this is pretty, I think this is another pretty self-explanatory way how love can give you meaning in life. You You look at a mother, for example, who loves their child so much and their they might even uh, attribute their meaning of life to raising their child in the best way possible that's a pretty common story another one you can see the archetypal story of romeo and juliet they both love each other so much and they just want to be together and that's given the meaning to keep going and the hope you know something to hope for that they can achieve together um you can also see the love uh in many different ways and then Keep in mind, one thing Victor talks about with love, it has to be, you know, true love. It's not just kind of like this lust where you just kind of want to maybe have sex. It's more of a love where you, you truly want, it's like you truly want the best for the other person. And it's just the highest, you know, unconditional love you can imagine. Uh, now, an interesting note I'll have to put in here on love. If you've read Sigmund Freud, he talks about love as well. And he also says that love is a... Uh, sure far away for many people and it's how a lot of people actually do get some sort of meaning out of their life however love is a two-sided coin freud talks about and a lot of people can attest to this too well if you get your love and you get you know that peak experience it's amazing but if you don't let's say you love a girl and she breaks your heart and she denies you rejects you 
it can be one of the most devastating experiences as well. You know, same thing can be said for a girl who loves a guy who cheats on her or something like that. And many people who listen to this might even be able to say, oh yeah, I know exactly what that's like. And that's just kind of the two-sided coin that love is. Uh, so that's why, you know, Sigmund Freud says, it is all, while it is the best way to achieve one's meaning out of life, it's the most, you know, euphoric, I guess you could say. Uh, it's also the worst because it can lead to the biggest downside. And now the third path that Victor talks about in his book to to gaining meaning out of life is uh, through one's suffering. And he found that out in the concentration camp where suffering was, to say the least, very abundant. Uh, and the way that can is... I think he, he summarized it very well. It's basically this, when you make your suffering a sacrifice for something bigger, then it can give you meaning. All right. So there's a few important important implications to be, be to be known about what suffering. Number one, uh, not all suffering is worthy uh, for giving you meaning in life. Right. If if you're suffering and it's not a sacrifice for something bigger, and you're just suffering for the sake of suffering. Uh, it's not going to give you that same sort of meaning out of life. Whereas, you know, in Victor's case, he was suffering in the concentration camp uh, because he had a document that he he alone, he wrote a scientific novel or scientific uh, article before going into the concentration camp and obviously got confiscated by the Nazis. He saw his suffering in the concentration camp as payment, you know, he had to sacrifice this. He had to keep going because once he got out, he alone would be the one able to write that scientific article again. And that suffering, instead of becoming, you know, just pure like torture and death, it became, you know, I got to overcome this so I can do this great goal. Another example that he gets from the book is a husband that comes into his uh, psychology, his clinical office, I suppose, after the war. This is maybe 1950, 60, around that time. And the husband talks about how his wife died. You know, he found meaning in love before. And now that she's dead, it's his life is terrible. He hates it, you know, and that's you can understand that. You know, you lose the love of your life and now you're you can fall into some sort of state of depression. What Victor said to him was basically, imagine you had died and your wife had lived. How would your wife feel? And the husband said something along the lines that the wife would be, you know, in a state of fucking despair as well. And what he did very quickly was he flipped that interpretation of suffering into a sacrifice for the wife. And he said, well, you survived and now you have to bear this burden of life where you know, the suffering that you incur because your wife is gone, the grief that you incur because your wife is dead. Do that for her, you know, so that she didn't have to because now you do it and, excuse me, and do it in a right way. And then, you know, that really helped the guy transform himself and make this suffering into something meaningful, into a payment, into a sacrifice for something greater. And that, I think, is the big key. Uh, with suffering it's not suffering suffering randomly but making it a payment for something greater i'll take another example of david goggins this is when i say suffering or think of suffering and that whole kind of genre david goggins is the first person i talk about where he talks about you have to become you know the, the you, you don't want to be the bitch of your mind you want to take control over your own mind for lack of a better way to put it 
and he's not suffering. And here's what I'm saying. He's not suffering randomly. He's suffering for the greater goal so that he can take control of his mind so that he can, you know, he has some sort of vision or hope or future that he sees through this suffering. And that's the major key when you're suffering for anything. You know, what is it? What is this a payment for? Are you suffering for no reason? That's likely not going to end and you being, you know, as happy as you could be. And just a few other notes on the book that, uh, you know, these are common notes. I think that we all know them, but we, some, it's easy to forget them. It was basically that uh, man's mind, Victor says basically, that, you know, at the end of the day, the one thing that man keeps is his ability. He said, basically, we have free will uh, and we can debate whether or not we have free will. But what we do have is we do have the ability at any moment to kind of interpret what's going on around us. And you can make, quote unquote, a choice to interpret things in a positive, meaningful way or a negative and desperate way. And he says, even in concentration camps, no matter how much suffering, you know, the the inmates were uh were having uh there was always people out there who would you know the heroes of the the bunch that would give their last piece of bread even though they were starving you know put their arm around crying other guys uh and help people through the darkest time even when they were going through a dark time and it's in that kind of you know it's in your mind that slight gap where you between your experience and your output to how you uh act you have that choice he says that you can either, you know, overcome, develop meaning, do, you know, be a good person, you know, use your mind to interpret the world as a better place. And the Eastern philosophies talk a lot about this, you know, be, becoming oneness, you know, uh, not, you know, being detached from your surroundings. And I'm not going to get into the whole debate about whether or not we have free will, but on one level or not, some people at least have the ability and it's very likely that me and you do as well. As long as you believe, you know, and then we could get into like all this fate stuff. I'm not a very religious person, but I do. And I do see how comp I don't even see, honestly, I don't know anything. So anyways, thanks for enjoying or thanks for listening. And I do suggest you give this book a read if you want, or just, you know, if you could just cement what I told you into your mind, you would get the exact same thing I got out of it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, now I'm just rambling. So have a good day.